again, we are um, just so blessed um, by your goodness to us. Uh, your presence in our lives, among us as your people, your willingness to just be uh, at your side as we rest and strengthen and provide and protect and all the things that you do. Um, but Lord, ultimately, we're amazed that you've brought us to this point and given us a new life and a new purpose. Uh, Lord, that you've, even, you've commissioned us to serve and to and to help bring you the blessings of new life in God to others. So we want to do that. We thank you for that. Thank you for Pastor Matt, the gift he is among us. Pray you stir up your gift in him this morning and uh, encourage us through your word and instruct us through your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Also, during that same time on August 28th, we're going to have a parents' night afternoon. We're calling it nap time. You bring your own pillow. You bring your own mattress. You stay home and participate. We do it, we're going to do it remotely, but we're just calling it nap time <laughs> during that time. I just want to open up your Bibles. Uh, we're going to take a look at um, Proverbs 25, 27 through 28. Proverbs 25, 27 through 28. We're actually going to look at a, a number of scriptures this morning. Uh, just kind of as a, as a follow-up, honestly, to, to last week and so let's just take a quick look. 25, Proverbs 25, 27 through 28. Everybody, I hope is very excited about this. If it, It's not good to eat too much honey, nor is it honorable to seek one's own honor. Like a, city's, a, like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. Let's read it one more time. It is not good to eat too much honey, nor is it honorable to seek one's own honor. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. This morning, we're going to talk about self-control. Really great topic. Very exciting. Everybody um, always loves it when this is, you know, on the preaching schedule. That's why we don't do a preaching schedule, so you still show up when we talk about self-control. You know, last week we, we talked about patience and that it's a, you know, kind of a lost art. And, you know, we talked about the, the fruits of the Spirit, that these things that, that Galatians talks about, the fruits of the Spirit, aren't, aren't the goals. They are the fruit. They are the product of our relationship with the Lord and, and, and our obedience to the Holy Spirit. And as hard as it is to find patient people, I'm not sure how many people you can find that are self-controlled in our world today. That the fruit of self-control or self-discipline is really hard to find. In fact, I, I would suggest if you're looking for that, all you find is mostly barren places. But in the Bible, we see just like the other fruits of the Spirit, that it is actually a call from God to be self-controlled and to have self-discipline. And it's not just a call, it's something that we're going to read about that He gives us. And it's actually something that He uses in order to bring people to Him. You begin to really dig through all the fruits of the Spirit, and you begin to realize how much they really work together and how much they kind of build one another up. You really can't walk um, in love and in, in kindness without self-discipline and vice versa. You, you can't walk in peace and patience without love and kindness. And it really is this whole kind of thing that you need to grasp a hold of that, that God wants to teach us. So this morning I want to take just a few minutes to talk about self-control because I don't think we talk about it very often. The idea of telling somebody you can't do something is kind of a big no-no. 
actually quite the opposite in our world today. You can do whatever you like. I think it's Trump that says that, right? Um, not that I heard it. I just I've heard somebody told me that. Somebody told me that. But that really is the, the world we live in. You can do whatever you want. Don't tell me how to live my life. Don't tell me what to do. It doesn't matter. Nothing that I do affects you. It just affects me. So if you watch, that's not how it's supposed to be. If you read your Bible, you know that it's not how you're supposed to live your life. But try to walk up to somebody and tell them, no, you can't do that. Try to walk up to a, a child and tell them, no, you can't do that. I try all the time. Every day I get to practice. And so we tend to stay away from this idea of talking about it and, and really kind of digging into what God might have for us in this. It is, it is an absolute negative connotation of a word. And self-control is something that just, is, just brings up all kinds of negative emotions. No matter how much you love Jesus, no matter how much you long you've been walking with him, that something inside of us, it's called sin, rises up when we hear, oh, you've got to be self-disciplined, you've got to be self-controlled, you, you can't do those things. But yet... If we begin to read the Bible, you will begin to see that this is actually a, a gift God has given us. A gift God has given us. This is what it says in 2 Timothy, right? He has not given us a spirit of fear or love. Or, sorry. He hasn't given us love. No. He has not given us a spirit of, of fear, but a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. Some of it says not always sound mind because it's actually different. But this is actually something God has given us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's effective. Let's read a few scriptures. Let's look at 2 Peter. 2 Peter. I got so many scriptures, I had to like put all these tabs in here. And I've been terrified all morning I'm going to drop my Bible and not be able to find them. 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. 2 Peter Chapter 1, verses 5 through 8 says, For this very reason I make every effort, you make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to your goodness knowledge, and to your knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. If you, if you, if you read Galatians again, you'll see that really matches up quite well. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, one thing I really want in my life is to know more about Jesus, to know more about what God has for me, to know more about what he's called me to do. Here it says if we practice these things, if we put them into practice, if we add them together, add them one on top of the other, that it will help us become more effective and more productive. When we can walk in this, it helps us move closer and closer and closer to Jesus. It helps us to know more about who he is. It helps us to know more about who he's called us to be. It's one of the things he's called us to do. In 1 Corinthians 9, you don't have to flip there, 1 Corinthians 9, 24, it says that we should train like we're training for a race. That we condition our bodies, that, that we condition our minds, we condition our hearts like we're running a race. We, you can't do that without self-control. I don't know if you've ever run a race, but it doesn't really work very well if you spend all week eating you know, donuts and Reese's Pieces and, and all this kind of stuff. When you go to run, it doesn't work out very well for you. You know, but if you stop by and pick up all the kale and the cucumbers and, and all those things and good protein, your race goes much better. But it takes a measure of self-control, though. How often in our lives do we walk through our day with 
really not trying to do bad things or, or trying to do, you know, all these negative things, but we just kind of lack self-control, so we just walk through our day. And we probably listen to things we shouldn't and watch things we shouldn't and, and, and don't speak up when we should, and we just let the world kind of go and come at us, and, and, and we don't take any time to say, no, that's not good for me. No, that's, that's not what God has for me. No, that's not the best thing that God has for me. We just walk through our day. We're called to train ourselves. This is one of the calls of leadership that you find in 1 Timothy, that elders should have self-control. But have no fear. As always, God doesn't leave it just at leadership. If you look at Titus, really, it's probably one of the best books if you want to read and and study really about self-control. If you look at Titus, real short book, real short book, so it's really kind of nice you can read through it pretty quickly. You don't have time to get all the information you need. Not only is it a call to leaders, again, in Titus 1.8, it says um, that rather he must be hospitable, one who loves good, who is in self-control. It's a call of elders. But then if you keep on reading in 2, verse 2, chapter 2, verse 2, it says, teach older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, in self-control. 2.5, similarly, it says, teach younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure and to be busy at home. Just the next verse, it says, similarly, encourage young men to be self-controlled. So not only is it something that God has called us to be, but it's actually something that he is telling us we should do. That as Christians, we are called to teach it not only to one another, but to our children, to those who are around us, but to those who are engaged with us, to those we work with, whoever it might be that that we have in our sphere, we're called to actually teach self-control, to teach people that you actually have been given the ability to control what you do. Now, this all sounds just really nice and, and very simple, right? It's very easy. The Bible says so, so we might as well just, oh, let's just change everything. That's not how it works. And I, and I feel often probably as, as, as a church at large, we probably have just made it that simple. You just got to stop doing that. You just got to, when you see wrong, you just got to stop and you just always do right and you just gird yourself up and, and, and you just fight that battle and you just push through. And there's a little bit of truth to that. I don't want to say there's not, but that's not at the heart of it. If you continue to read in Titus, you keep on reading verse uh, chapter chapter 2, you get down to verse 11. It says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly, uh, worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. I want to read that again. Chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Men, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness, to worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Right in the midst of this, as I was, was beginning to kind of study, right, in the, it just it just hit me right in, the, in in my face because you know I I am a list follower and I'm and I, list follower, not a rule follower, list follower. And so you put these lists and here here you go, you can do these things. I'm very good at those lists, but here. Right in the middle of this, God just says, don't forget, this is about my grace. It's 
about the grace of God. It says the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and to say yes to godliness. It's that grace and that, that compassion that if the closer, this is why it's a fruit of the Spirit. I want to get to it in just a minute again. The closer we go and the closer we draw to God, we begin to understand his grace and his mercy. And it's that grace that, that pushes us. It's that grace to know that he loves me no matter what and I want to please him. It's that grace that really is one that teaches us to say no to the ungodly. It also teaches us the, the compassion and the kindness and the patience and the patience the patience that I talked about last week when we when we talk to others because we remember the grace of God in our life. And so when we begin to look at others who might who might be struggling with self control or self discipline, we have the grace to come and we talk to them about it and say, Man, you're right, but I'm I'm here. I'm willing to stand with you. I know what it is like to to struggle with self control to struggle with doing right, to struggle with, with always doing the wrong thing instead of the right thing. And if we're really honest with ourselves, this is something we all can grasp. If you can't grasp it, you might not being honest be, have been honest with yourself. I mean, Paul, one of the greatest Christians of all time, one of the people who loved Jesus the most and, and who wrote so much of the gospel, talked about it in Romans, right, Romans 7. He struggled with it so much, he made it quite difficult to read it, right? Have you ever tried to read that? It's Romans 7 passage. You, I'll, I'll give it to you. It's Romans 7, uh, 14 and following. It, he struggled. He says, I know what to do, but I have a hard time doing it. It's much easier to do it. And I know what I'm not supposed to do, yet I basically have an easier time doing what I'm not supposed to do. And at the end, he talks about the grace of God. And he's saying, see, if you try to do this, without really drawing close to the Lord and, and really pursuing Him and being obedient to the Holy Spirit. Again, it's like patience. It, it will be the most unfruitful thing that you've ever done in your life. And, and it, quite the opposite. Quite the opposite. If you just gird yourself up and, 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 and I'm just going to say no to all the bad things, I, I'd be willing to bet if that was your, your philosophy and that was the way you did it and you didn't just pursue God in this, you'd probably end up doing more worse things than you do doing good things. Because that is not the position of strength. That's our own wisdom. That's our, our own power. That's our own ability. That's not what God has intended. That's not God living through us and in us and, and pursuing us and pushing us. When we begin to do that, we begin to, Galatians tells us, live life by the Spirit. So let's look at Galatians. Galatians 5, it's where all the fruits of the Spirit are found. But the key to walking in the fruits of the Spirit, I believe, are found in the verses right before that. Verse 16 says, So I live by the Spirit and will not gratify the desires of sinful nature. For sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit is what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And then it goes on to talk about those sinful natures, and it goes on right after to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. See, self-control really is not about, okay, I know what's right and I know what's wrong, and I'm not just going to, I'm just going to not do it. It's not, if, if you boil it down that much, you're missing it. Self-control is actually about obedience. Self-control is about obedience to the power of the Holy Spirit. Over and over, you, you, when, you, when you read through the New Testament and 
talks about the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And often we limit the power of the Holy Spirit to like prophetic words and words of knowledge and, and you know, singing and, and speaking in tongues and all these different things. But here it says we walk by the power of the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, we're obedient. The power of the Holy Spirit every day, that's where you begin to see the fruit in your life. That's where you begin to see patience, peace, kindness, gentleness, self-control. The power of the Holy Spirit. It's not the power of the flesh. It says here exactly what I was talking about. It says if you live in the power of the flesh, you will fail. If you live in the power of the Holy Spirit, you will have these fruit in your life. It is a God-given tool in our life to be self-controlled. It's a spirit-led thing in our life. The Spirit is talking to us. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us. God is speaking to us through the Holy Spirit. Each and every day. And if we are simply obedient to him and obedient to those things that he has called us to and the things he has called us away from, you begin to walk in self-control. And often if you really take a minute and, and before these decisions and before you, you see these rights and these wrongs, and it's, it's amazing how our mind works. When we make those decisions that are poor and we walk in those sinful ways, you know immediately. Right? It's not like, oh, whoops. I didn't know that was wrong. I didn't know that was sinful. Maybe a few times, but not really, not very often. But when we begin to stop and let the Holy Spirit speak to us, not only does he say not to do this, often he tells you how much it affects what you've done. All the things that we want in life, that we think we need in life, are often short-sighted and, and, and just immediately impactful in our life, but long-term painful. When we begin to let the power of the Holy Spirit move, we begin to move towards the things God has called us to and the things that he has for us. So this is about his will, not our will. It's about being obedient to the power of the Holy Spirit each and every day. And there's power in self-discipline. There's power in self-control. And I want to close with this scripture. Matthew. Got a lot of people in silent rooms. I don't remember. Where's Matthew? I know it's in here. Matthew. Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25 might be one of the most powerful examples of what God can do with obedience and self-discipline. We're going to start in verse 36. It says, Jesus then went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell down to his face on the ground and prayed, my father, is it possible? May this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Could you men keep watch with me for just one hour? He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He went away for a second time. And he prayed, my father, it is not possible for this cup to be, uh, is it not possible for this cup to be taken away from me unless I drink it? May your will be done. So right there, Jesus was asking for his own will to be done. He was asking 
to do what he wanted for his life, the, what he desired for his life, not to hang on the cross, but instead be redeemed, so humbled to say, I'm not going to do what I want to do, but I am going to rest in what you want me to do. In that moment of self-control, in that moment of being obedient, that moment of saying, not my will, but yours. And that's what self-control boils down to. It's not, you know, hey, I want to choose the lesser of two evils. It is choosing what God has for us, what the Holy Spirit is saying versus our own flesh. In that moment, we need to join him. His journey to the cross is simply his journey to death and to resurrection so that you and I might have eternal life, so that you and I can experience the fullness of who Jesus is in this life. And that is including love, patience, peace, and self-control. The power of self-control in that moment brought salvation to you and I. And I wonder as we walk through our day and, and we interact with people, when, if we could show self-control and obedience to the power of the Holy Spirit, what kind of doors is that open in our life and in the world around us for God to move into somebody's life that doesn't know Jesus? Imagine all the people you know that don't know Jesus. You can imagine people that do know Jesus because we all have problems with self-control. But you're walking around with unbelievers who, who have no self-control at all, and not only that, think everything is okay. Hold that space of being obedient to the power of the Holy Spirit. When you're consistent, when you're rock solid and you're steady, and the Bible says when you've done all you can do in a few weeks, stand, you just continue to stand no matter what the world says, no matter what the people around you say, no matter what's going on. You stand in that place of obedience and that place of self-control and say, I'm going to do what God wants me to do because the power of the Holy Spirit is speaking to me every day, and I'm going to do it. What kind of doors does that begin to open? Because that is counterculture. People are going to be like, what is going on in this guy? Why is he not doing all the things that we are doing? Why is he not out and, and just doing whatever he wants? You begin to open up doors for the power of God to move. Yeah, the proverb we read this week and last week is all about taking the city. And it says there's going to be self-control that is going to destroy it. And wall is going to fall. When we lack that self-control, we really can't do anything. Spirit, and so what that means is when we don't have self-control, that means we're choosing our own way. And that's my cry, and that's my heart for you guys. I want to be the McKenzie Scott Camp for us, and I realize more and more each and every day that it means I have to say no to some things in order to walk in the fullness of what God has for us. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you would help us to understand the power of self-control, Lord. I pray that you would help us to um, be obedient to the Holy Spirit we'd be attentive to the Holy Spirit in our lives. Not just so we could say no to the things that bring harm, but we could say no to the things that bring harm and walk in your will and into the glorious things you've called us to do, into the powerful things you've called us to do in your kingdom here on this earth. Lord, I pray that we would be willing to say each and every day, not my will, but your will. Good, good, good. Uh, encouragement at the end.